Well, hello and welcome to the Slow Home Podcast. This is episode number 131. Welcome back. Welcome back. Welcome to 2017. I know, it's a bit belated to be saying that in February. but <laughs> We had our summer series and it was very well received from our listeners. Yes, Thank our you very much summer for series, the our winter warmers. feedback. Yes, exactly. And yeah, we're now back on board, knees and legs under the desk, <laughs> after a awesome trip to Japan. Yeah, it was amazing. We had such a such a a great break. Let's go into that a little bit more uh, very mm-hmm. shortly. But a huge announcement: your book, Destination Simple, is now available in all good bookstores. It is. In as of sh- today, we're recording a couple of days early. So yeah, as of as of today in Australia and New Zealand. So if you pre-ordered, first of all, thank you. Just that was meant the world to me to see all those pre-orders happening. Uh, you should either have received it or will be getting it within the next couple of days. And if you're out and about in a bookshop, happen to see it, take a photo and, and tag us on Instagram. That would be that would make my day. It would be awesome. So you just either use the destination simple hashtag or uh, tag me at Brooke McCallery and um, yeah, that that would blow my mind a little bit. <laughs> Very exciting. Very exciting. It is Huge exciting. Um, so for American, uh, UK listeners and people in uh, North America, so Canada as well, the publishing date, the release date is May the 3rd of this year for you guys and same in the UK. Other parts of Europe will be getting like um, translated versions of it as you know as the year progresses i'll be able to tell you a bit more about that but i believe you can get on amazon and grab the ebook version of it uh anytime sometime really soon if not already great yeah we'll include links absolutely just go to uh slowyourhome.com and there will be um a link at the top just says book head over there and you'll get links to either pre-orders for those of you not in australia and new zealand and yeah where to find it for everyone else it's um it's, exi- it's exciting. It's really exciting. Thank you. From all of us here at the <laughs> Slow Home Podcast. <laughs> all right, let's get into it. All right. start talking about our holiday did you want to talk briefly about plans for the slow home podcast this year i'd love to actually we've we've decided to change things a little bit not not a great deal because i think the two shows a week work really well thursday programming will be pretty much the same as last year so most weeks will be an interview between usually myself and a guest but ben's been stepping up and doing some of those as well and that's also the day that we'll do our like our hostfuls where people will submit questions. We answer any of your questions about simplicity or slow living or work or whatever. You know, it's pretty much a ask us anything kind of situation. Mondays last year, we did the slow home experiment, which I know so many people loved. And I think the, the communal side of it was something that people really enjoyed. I have to say though that Ben and I, we really kind of struggled towards the end of the year in keeping up with the fact that it was real time. Yeah, that was especially hard. Uh, because we wanted to be able to do the experiments with you mm. and a lot of people did, you know, play along in real time, which was amazing. 
But in terms of the way we like to work and kind of a slow living approach to work, having to meet deadlines, really strict deadlines every week unnecessarily was kind of quite taxing towards the end of the year. And this year's going to be fairly full with, you know, book preparations for my second book, which comes out later in the year and then publicity and, and we're doing a bit of travel as well. So uh, we've decided to change our Monday episodes just a little bit. We won't be doing the real-time month-long experiments, but what we are going to be doing is talking about a specific idea or action or topic every Monday. And there are going to be quite short episodes, maybe 10 minutes. And what we want for you to be able to walk away from those episodes with is either something specific to do or something to try or something to think about. Okay. Really want to inspire action, mm. um, you know, and they'll all be obviously related to, to slow living, but there's so many aspects of slow living that we couldn't necessarily run a whole experiment on for a month, but that are really important and yeah. really worthwhile exploring. So our Monday shows will be, will be a little bit different, but um, you know, and I, I would think that during the year, some of those Monday kind of Monday shows will form themes you know around the same sort of idea that's what i want to try and yeah yeah but uh you know to be to be honest i think it's going to be it's going to give us the opportunity to be a bit more flexible and fluid and you know try things for a bit rather than having to commit to a month and report in real time yeah it was honestly i mean and that's that was kind of just a something we learnt throughout the year that mm. that wasn't necessarily conducive you'd to. enjoy it though it oh, was God, enjoyable. It's, me too yeah. well you think about some of the experiments we still yeah. maintain them yeah they've been amazing yeah and we yeah exactly so anyway that's that's us for the year ahead and i'm looking forward to it. i've got a really good feeling about this year yeah so the next podcast that we do for thursday is that going to be a hostful? It is going to be a hostful, yep. Do we have a theme for the hostful? Yeah, we never really, really have themes. Um, oh, we do sometimes. Anyway, if you have a question about anything related to slow living, simplicity, the book, if you've grabbed a copy of the book. Travel. Yep, travel. Head over either to Facebook and uh, find us there. We're just Slow Your Home on Facebook. Leave a comment there or on the blog over at slowyourhome.com. Uh, and just ask yeah, ask us your questions. I really enjoy the questions that, that you guys submit. They're always really thought-provoking. And I think I've learnt as much from you and your questions as hopefully maybe people have learnt from us over the year. But, yeah. Absolutely. So that's next Thursday. Cool. All right. Now, slow living in mm. Japan. Mm. We went to Japan. We went to Japan. In um, More specifically, we went into the mountains of the Nagano district in Japan. Mm-hmm. And we tried to slow down. We did. So I just want to give a bit of context to life just before we left. We worked really hard, you and I, to kind of close things down business-wise from the end of December with the plan to take all January off. Uh, Didn't quite work out that way. No. (laughs) (laughs) Turns out I had a book deadline. Um while we were planning to be away in January. So I really needed to hustle to get that book finished before then. And that was quite intense. And you had some work that cropped up. And I guess one one of the uncomfortable truths about being self-employed is that we can't just switch off completely, Mm. particularly not in the infancy of a a business. You know, it's just the two of us. 
So I think we did tremendously well in balancing that as well as possible. It wasn't ideal. I'm, I'm going to say that quite clearly. But, um, you know, so by the time we headed off to the airport, we were very much looking forward to disconnecting and very much in need of a break. And uh, just some really good connected family time. And uh, yeah, so anyway, that was that was our mental state when we arrived in Japan. And it wasn't great. It, we were tired. Just really tired. We were tired. Yeah. You know, Christmas and New Year, as much as it's a it's a break in terms of work, there's a like for us there was a lot of catching up. We hosted a couple of things at our place, all of which I loved. But what did what we kind of did have to shift away from in that period was a lot of downtime, hmm. and we knew that we knew that our yep. holiday was coming. So. You know, all that to say that <laughs> disconnecting mm. was very much at front of mind when we arrived. But, uh, yeah, we arrived in this beautiful little village in the mountains. And uh, it was quite, it's quiet. It was really quiet. It was really quiet. The yeah. village itself. I mean, the, the ski hills, not as quiet. but um, And it was really traditional. Mm-hmm. It was a rural kind of Japanese village that is far, like a farming village for six or seven months of the year. And we stayed in a uh, in a Japanese family-run lodge, incredibly traditional lodge, and uh, run by the one family. I think they've run it for three or four generations. Mm. And it was like nothing I'd ever stayed in before. It was incredible. Mm. So, I mean, we had the, the traditional-style room with just the tatame mats uh, on the floor, and that was it. That was our room. A wardrobe. We had a wardrobe, yeah. yep. <laughs> lots, of st- lots of space to store our luggage. And then the rest of the facilities were communal. Mm. And there was not great internet in the, like in the village itself or anything like that. The, the lodge had internet. Um, but it was just this, pay, this place that had a... I it spoke to my soul, to be perfectly honest, the pace of this village. It was phenomenal. Um, so what about the pace did you like? So take me through what you did, what we did during a typical day. So, we, I mean, we went there to ski... Um, we so I suppose, yeah, we need to start off by saying we holiday, we love mountains yeah. and we love winter. Yeah. We love the snow and that's, we, we regularly take holidays. Usually that's where we try to go. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah. So that's, that's our definition of, you know, a, a nice family holiday. Yeah, it, no, it is. And that's why we went. So we, Japan has a reputation for incredible snow. Hmm. And this particular village called Nazawa Onsen was uh, well known for being really family friendly. Like the mountain isn't crazy extreme terrain or anything like that. It was pretty family oriented. Uh, but the thing that kind of sold us on on the on staying there, as opposed to the hundreds of other places we could stay in Japan, was that it was quiet. Like it was really traditional, yeah. really quiet. You know, not a lot of cars on the road. Um, quite a small place and it just sounded like heaven honestly mm, mm. so a typical day for us we, we slipped into a rhythm really quickly oh, actually no, didn't it was we? great we would get up early it was kind of like camping you'd wake up when the sun came up absolutely and then go and have breakfast which was a traditional japanese breakfast um you know that they put in the dining room and then we'd go skiing for a few hours stop for hot chocolate stop for like a noodle like a ramen or something up on the hill, ski for another couple of hours, come home, um, have a beer by the fire, a sake by the fire, yeah, and then go and have an onsen. And 
So I'll what's it? So yeah, let's talk about right. what, a, what an onsen is now. So like I said before, our lodge is really traditional. Uh, they didn't have any shower facilities like a normal Western, like a Western style shower in the bedroom or anything like that. Um, and they only had a communal shower room. Mm-hmm. So there was six showers that were all just in the open. Mm-hmm. And part of that room was this thing, called, it's called an onsen, which is a hot spring. Uh, and it had been plumbed into the basement of the lodge that we stayed in, into this like big soaker tub um, that was all part of the one room. And the onsen was only open for six hours a day, maybe yeah. three hours in the morning, three hours in the afternoon. Mm-hmm. And that was your only option for bathing. So you had quite specific etiquette in terms of um, how to bathe in an onsen. And we had done some research. We knew that that was what Nazawa Onsen is known for. It's got sort of 13 or 14 beautiful public onsens as well throughout the village. Um, So we'd done some research. We watched like YouTube videos about how to onsen Mm. and stuff like that, which I'm really glad we did because I I felt quite at ease with the process when we got there. There was a lot of people. So it was probably half Australian guests, half Japanese guests at the lodge that we stayed at. And a lot of the Australian guests just didn't quite know what was allowed and what wasn't. But it's, um, it's complete, like you have to be completely naked. Um, and you can either onsen in the, the bath or not, but you have to shower and bathe incredibly well before you get in the onsen. Um, and it was something, like, I won't lie, I felt a little bit apprehensive about it before we start. went. Yeah. yeah, yeah. But after my first experience, it's honestly something that I looked forward to every day. There was something really ritualistic about it and it was beautiful mm. like genuinely really mm. beautiful i have really fond memories of sitting in there with our daughter and talking about it and we just it was just a quiet moment at the end mm. of the day sometimes i went twice a day because it was so pleasant yeah um and the bathing in the hot water also helped with sore muscles which exactly. was great <laughs> it was yeah. really good yeah. uh yeah but that was that was sort of the onsen and after that we'd walk into town Go and get something for dinner. Walk back, usually through the snow. Oh, the snow. <laughs> we got so much snow while we were there. Well, that's and, the um, thing. There was it snowed over three meters while we were there. Yeah, three meters of snow fell while we were there. It was so crazy. Over ten days, three meters of snow. So it was in. There were incredible conditions. It was it was something out of this world. Yeah, really. I've never seen anything like it. Yeah. Uh, and then we'd go to bed pretty early. And it was sort of, we settled into like this camping rhythm. You're right. It's the camping thing. Like that's how you, exactly like camping as the, if you go for a bushwalk or a trek, that was the, that was like the skiing and the snowboarding. Yeah. And the campfire was almost the onsen. Yeah, well, exactly. <laughs> you know, that's where you, you sort of met the other people, other, other guests. That and like and the communal kind of sitting area. Sitting area yeah. where you had some hot sake and, you know, that, that camping is, it was an absolutely... <laughs> it was more like camping than anything else yes. really. that's how you would you yeah would, you would paint it no it was beautiful and i really tapped into the slow living aspect of it like i was trying to figure out why i felt so at ease there and i think there's rituals about almost every element to it, if you want there to be mm. and i think i was kind of tapped into it because we'd done some research we knew we wanted to go to Japan because culturally it's so different to anywhere we'd ever been before. And I really wanted the kids to know that travel doesn't necessarily have to be about going somewhere where everyone speaks your language. The food might be different. The writing's different. The way people behave is different. And I wanted them to know that. Yes. Uh, and that was absolutely the case. Like I've never been anywhere that has been so different before from the way we live our lives. But in Nazawa, 
the pace was I don't know how to describe it. Like there was less to do, but the things that we did had more weight yeah, and more consideration. Mm. Even just this, the, the um, example of taking your shoes off when you enter a restaurant or a lodge or, or a lodge or um, <laughs> a bathroom. Yeah. It, well, or yeah. A bedroom. So you walk yeah. into the lodge, you have to take your shoes off and then there's house slippers that everyone uses. But if you go into the bathroom, you take off your house slippers, you put on the bathroom slippers, leave the bathroom slippers in there for the next person, put your house slippers back on. But as you like settled into that rhythm, you, you understood why all of those things existed mm. and it felt... Yeah, I just everything had purpose. I think the Japanese culture, everything about it is almost ritualistic. Yeah, there's so much of so that. that. So that, that's why I think, and that we really associate with those rituals. Yeah, and that's why I think we got we um, we we fully immersed into the culture. We un, we understood, we appreciated it more than I think other people would. Mm. So that I I totally agree. The ritual aspect, everything from. Yeah, wearing shoes, the onsen, mm. um, greetings. So to say hello, you, you've got to say it three different ways depending on the time of day. Yeah. But like yeah. how ritualistic is that? Yeah, like and it's, it's just a mindfulness thing. I yeah. mean, probably not to native Japanese speakers, but yeah. for us it was kind of paying attention as well, which yeah. I, I really enjoyed. But um, the, the rituals of them were, were, mm. were really beautiful. And most of them simple and, and beautiful, while others like the fire festival ritual... <laughs> <laughs> was chaotic and it's slightly dangerous. Showed a side to the Japanese, yeah, culture that I've couldn't really didn't really appreciate. But some of it is madness. It was yeah, it was crazy. So we happened to be in Nazao Onsen when they have this this fire festival, and I think they have three all throughout Japan. Um, there's only there's only three throughout the whole of Japan, and it's quite an important um, festival. And I th- it's it's kind of about blessing the coming harvest and the people who live in the village and it's very involved like it's a real community ritual and it goes for about three days but there's a lot of sake consumed by like the local people throughout the whole process and it culminated in this massive three-hour kind of process Mm. where they Mm. march through the village streets with these huge torches of fire uh, and it's a battle between the 45-year-olds of the village and the 22-year-olds of the village? Well, no, that, 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 this is the bit that I found really, really interesting because it it's like a rite of passage. Yeah. You know, I spoke about rites of passage with a couple of guests and the importance of that, uh, particularly for, for men in our society now. But it was the 24-year-olds had to protect yes. the 52-year-olds or 60-year-olds ah, from... from the fire. So it was their rite of passage saying, right, you, you know, if you can protect me from the fire, then you're going to become part of the tribe or, right. you know, um, uh, village. Okay. So I love that part of it. And I didn't realize, I didn't know that prior to it. It wasn't until the day that I, was, I sort of all put it together and I was like, this is actually a rite of passage mm. and I need to write about this mm. like as part of the... Um, you know, the mentoring and, and um, rite of passage stuff that I'm doing. So that's, yeah, that was really interesting. It, yeah, it was. And then there was also the whole element of all the newborn children in the village, like who had been born in the previous 12 months, wrote their family, wrote their names on paper, and that was burnt as part of the ritual, the ritual which yeah. is like a welcome to 
community kind of yep. ritual. Yep. Um, and it was really, really fascinating to be a part of. It, like, it got crazy, though. They nuts. Really nuts. Waving these kind of four-foot-high fire-lit torches mm. around with complete abandon. Mm. And it's a ski town, so there's a lot of synthetic fabric going on. <laughs> <laughs> there's quite a bit of alcohol involved. Well, that was, that's also part of it. They have to drink sake continuously for, like, three days. Yeah. And it was it was interesting because you heard some of the villagers that was that spoke English, or there might have been an announcement or something. It come it was as this is <clears throat> this is not entertainment. Mm. This is not for your entertainment. This is actually a ritual that has been going on for. It's got real significance. Generations yeah. it's and very sacred. You know, so it, it's a sacred occasion. So I thought I thought that was really interesting. Is like as in. Get of get out of our way because with when we've got fire in our hands because we're not going to get out of your way. Yeah, but also like don't hoot and holler and and carry Carry on as if this is a show. Yeah, because it's not a show. You know, it's we happened to be there for this ritual. Not the ritual isn't put on for Mm -hmm. our benefit. You know, Mm -hmm. and I think that's a really important mindset shift to Mm. make as you travel and start to explore other cultures as well. They're not there for your benefit you're there for your own, you know, in terms of exploring and understanding and opening your eyes. Yeah. Um, and I think that's one of the things that I was really pleased with the kids as well because I didn't know how they'd go, to be honest, in, uh, you know, in quite different kind of environment. But, man, kids are so adaptable. They are, they are so fluid and, mm. yeah, they were incredible. Even I thought the food might have been an issue, but it wasn't at all. The food, The food... That's another element of slow living that this place had in spades. The food was phenomenal. Mm. Like really simple comfort food, but made with local ingredients. Like they make all of their soba noodles and it's a rice growing area. So the sake was all local. And those Nazawa pickles. Oh yeah. So they cook in the onsen. Like the onsens are at different temperatures depending on. Where you are in the town. Yeah. And they have this main onsen in the center of the town that people still cook in. They cook eggs in there. Uh, so it's 90 degrees. Like, you can't get in it. You'll, mm. you'll burn. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so they cook eggs, and they do these pickled vegetables called nazawana, which were yeah. amazing. Mm. Yeah, and there are lots of pickles, lots of ferments, lots of homemade homemade everything, mm. really. The only time that it wasn't homemade is when they, were, um, they put out food for Westerners, like a Western diet, which kind of made me sad to see yeah. what passes as a Western diet in comparison. Chicken nuggets for breakfast. Chicken nuggets and, and fries and, and bread. Mm. Um, but, yeah, the food was phenomenal. I just did not have a a bad a, like a bad mouthful of anything. No, it was no. incredible. It was great. What did you – we were very active yes. on this holiday, more active than I think any holiday we've been. Yeah. How did that? How did you balance that with the need to recharge? That's probably the the thing that I missed. You know, when we went to Canada last time, uh, we like we snowboarded, we skied, but we also had an apartment, so we could kind of spread out and have some downtime. I would wander around town quite a bit and just have downtime that way. Whereas uh, in Nazawa, first of all, we weren't there for as long, and we didn't have anywhere to just hang out during the day if we wanted to have a snooze or. Uh, you know, plus the snow was so bloody good that I didn't want to miss it. Yeah. So I would go for a wander something. So one morning you looked at me, you're like, just go out, go walk in the get snow, lost. get lost. Get lost. <laughs> like literally go and get lost. And 
that was beautiful, you know, to, to just wander around and see what I found. And, you know, I found this incredible shrine up the hill in the snow. And, um, yeah, so it was different. I feel like I disconnected more technologically in order to be able to reconnect. But I didn't – usually on holidays I will read a lot and I will write a lot. And I didn't do either of those. Mm. I didn't even mm. get through, I don't know, a tenth of a book. Yeah, and I didn't pick up a pen. So it was just very different, but uh, like entirely enjoyable. I just probably came home not feeling as rested as I would have done from another holiday. But I'm okay with that. It was yeah. yeah. What about you? I felt the same way. That the it was it was almost like I just didn't want to miss out on this mm. epic snow. <laughs> so, but I'm really glad we were act. I mean, we walked, walked some days twenty k yeah. or more. With the kids, which yeah. I found amazing. But just being being present with the kids. The other thing is we, we were together 24-7. We were. You know, we were all sleeping together. We Literally. all skied together. <laughs> yep. You know, it was every second of the day we were, we were with, which was nice as well, I think. Oh, it was wonderful. Really, really it's nice kind of... to all, you know, group together as a unit. And It was nice. Know. This is going to sound funny. It was nice to have the opportunity to get sick of each other. Mm. you know what I mean and Mm. not that like there wasn't a frustration or anything like that but towards the end the kids you could tell were just itching for the company of other people other kids yeah they really were which was great you know and I think it was really concentrated time that we haven't had for quite a while with the exception of like a weekend away or a day here a day there but for for those two weeks it was you know I really just I felt like the kids grew up so much as well Mm. we asked like we asked a bit of them and they were happy to to deliver. If you know, like like you said, we walked a yeah. lot. Oh yeah. And doing that even a year ago, the kids would have just had a fit. Like they wouldn't have done it, and they wouldn't have skied all day either a year ago. Yeah, it was it was it was for a whole host of reasons incredible. It really was. So how did the slower pace of Nazawa Onsen counter with the hecticness of Tokyo, which we, we did drop into Tokyo on our way home for a couple of days? We did. We did a couple of days in Tokyo. How it, did, what, did you, what did you think of Tokyo? Oh, I loved Tokyo. I, think, I made an Instagram post uh, talking about just how opposite it was to Nazawa. And I think it made it sound like I wasn't enjoying Tokyo, but I really, really did mm. love it. I mean, mm. it's a busy, sprawling, fast-paced city. But uh, it, it has these massive pockets of green and there's very little traffic that we saw because the public transport system is so great. Like, it's a really slow city, I think. You could, you could do slow living in Tokyo. That's very which true. Which sounds yeah. kind of crazy, but I really believe you could. Like, lots of very small apartments. We stayed in an Airbnb for a couple of nights. And it was tiny, but it was enough. You know, we were out all day. And, uh, you know, there was a park, like a playground around the corner I feel like there was more community there than in some parts of Sydney because you can't spend all day in a tiny little apartment and there was a lot of people, a lot of kids around, a lot of families around and you could get through the city really easily on the metro as well, which surprised me. I mean, we we arrived in Tokyo, we got a bullet train, the Shinkansen, um, from Nazawa to Tokyo and we arrived and that was the only time I ever felt really overwhelmed because we had no idea where we were going like none. none and everything was in Japanese and there's like three different kinds of rail lines in Tokyo which we didn't know and we we're in the complete wrong area of the of the uh the train station but once we figured it out it was 
incredibly easy to get around and, and affordable. And yeah, it was so in that regard. I mean, if you look at slow living as in terms of using public transport and finding community and there's lots of green spaces, like lots of big parks in Tokyo, it was an incredibly slow city if you wanted it to be. Yeah, exactly. I mean, of course, we went to like Harajuku as well, which was not slow. No, anything but. <laughs> at slow. all. How did you find the consumerism of Tokyo? Oh, I, I struggle with that. Yeah. But that's in every city. That's, mm. you know, we were in Harajuku. Like that's kind of, it's fashion. It's, you know, lots of little funny accessories, which the kids kind of loved. Um, yeah. I, I wouldn't go shopping on a holiday. Like no. that's not my. No my jam um yeah so i i struggled with that a bit but that's to be expected i think i struggle with that at home i would really like to do tokyo just you and i Mm, without i think it'd be different i mean they say it's one of the best cities to travel with kids and i totally agree like the metro was just easy incredible and just seeing young kids like six five-year-olds catching the metro system on their own Mm. You know, it's a very safe city too. Yeah, I always felt incredibly safe. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. But I did, I mean, obviously, think two opposite ends of the spectrum, like a quiet rural village mm. where we spent most of our time in the mountains compared to one of the busiest cities in the world. I'm really glad knowing the headspace we were before we left that we went to Nazawa first. <laughs> it's true. Because if we went to Tokyo first, who knows how long that would have taken for us to, <laughs> to slow down and... Uh, the other thing I really loved, though, was getting offline pretty much. Like I said before, it wasn't entirely possible when you run your own business. Like, there was a monitoring happening mm. and you had to send That's a couple a good way of, of putting emails. It, actually. But it was, it was mostly monitoring. I, um, I didn't respond to emails, which I told people ahead of time. I was off social media with the exception of a handful of posts on Instagram. Like I literally did not get onto Facebook for two weeks. Yeah which was delightful. I have to say, I really enjoyed just that complete break. And as I always say, when I come back from a break like that, it doesn't have to be two weeks, might be a couple of days, but it brings a new level of mindfulness to how I've been integrated with technology and how it has just become more and more a part of my life. Like as things get busier, I often fall back into old behavior patterns and taking that break is a really good way of recalibrating, you know. And, and yeah, I found that that very, very valuable. So uh, I think there'll be some shifts in how I engage with social media this yeah. year because I do find it it's a really valuable way of staying in touch with people, you know, and, and engaging with people. But it can also become quite a, uh, you know, a, like a time suck. Mm. if you allow it to be. Mm. So I think that this is a good opportunity for me to kind of rethink the way I've been engaging with it and make a few changes. But it, that was wonderful. And it's the, you know, the, the idea that I talk about quite a lot, disconnecting in order to reconnect, was absolutely how we... Spot on, wasn't yeah, it? Yeah, how really? we spent our time. We, mm. we got offline, we, uh, you know, left our phones behind and just went and explored and listened to each other and, and laughed and moved our bodies and sweated and built snowmen and mm. got lost and ate food. It was, you know, you just we mm. just lived. You know what, though? I hardly took a photo. Me, me either. Yeah. And maybe that is a form of, of, of connecting, uh, disconnecting to, to sort of connect as well because you can hide behind that camera. Well, I think the second lot, you put you? 
a screen in yeah. between you and what's happening, even if mm. it's just to take a photo so you don't forget, you, you create a disconnect. Mm. You remove yourself from it. So you put a camera in between you and the kids building a snowman, you're no longer building a snowman with them. You're taking a photo of them building a snowman, you know? And I think totally. that was an actual moment for us where we like, played in the snow for a couple of hours with the kids. Neither of us had our phones with us. I'm like, oh, I wish we had our phone. I'm like, no, I don't. Mm. I can just remember it. Yeah. I'm right here right now. And it wasn't taking a photo in order to share it on Instagram or anything like that. Um, it was just, it was just, it, to keep I, want a memory. I want to remember yeah. it, yeah, but yeah. you know what? My memories of things when I'm actually fully 100% present are deeper than if I'm taking a photo of them anyway. That's very true. So I'm, yeah, I'm but exactly I, the same. I realized when I got home, I really didn't take many photos at mm. all. And mm. I don't feel bad about that. Not at all. Whereas yeah, I think I might've a couple of years ago felt bad about that, but it was, it was lovely. So, I mean, we really kind of took unintentionally a lot of slow living lessons i guess and and reminders and boosters from from this trip and i think that they're going to have a a big impact on us i want to build an onsen (laughs) oh my gosh i want to build an onsen too Uh, i want to move to a snow mountain town really absolutely Uh, you know that was one of the things that really struck both of us how at home we feel in the mountains it was yeah it's like a homecoming it really is uh but i think that there's quite a lot that we've taken with us from this trip that will continue on hopefully yeah yeah even just like the ritualistic idea of of um you know shoes off bathing together (laughs) (laughs) we okay we've got rid of all of our beds and we're all sleeping on the floor now (laughs) together (laughs) i would though i found those tatami mats quite comfortable yeah you didn't. Well, when you got beat up and, you know, ragdolled down a mountain. Yeah. You know, that, sore muscles. I think you would have been sore no matter what oh, bed you were sleeping that's on. That's true, though. yeah. That's what happens when you chuck yourself off a mountain. Mm. Anyway. That's us. That's, that's us. That's that's our, we're back. Yeah, we're back and it's good to be back. And we, we're looking forward to a big year with the Slow Home Podcast. Yes. Catch you guys soon. Bye. Hi, Puck Pass.